Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Again, it is Wednesday, the 28th of April. I only uh, say that so that um, I'll have a mental marker for where to put this conversation when I'm looking for it later, because I'm going to make reference here at the open to uh, an article in today's print edition of the Wall Street Journal. And you're saying to yourself, um, all right, I don't get the Wall Street Journal, and that would be behind a paywall, so you have to tell me about it. Yep, I'm going to tell you about it. The article is race relations in America are better than ever. Um, the uh, The opinion piece is written by Jason Riley, who, if you're not familiar with him, he writes uh, every week a, a column called um, Upward Mobility in the Wall Street Journal. He's African-American. He is an astute um, student of uh, of not only sort of this cultural moment, but the economy um, I would say uh, he's a Thomas um, Thomas Sowell uh, de- devotee. In fact, that's that's the book that's coming out this year. Um, it's called Maverick, a biography of Thomas Sowell. Um, that is Jason Riley's um, the 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 sort of the area of expertise. So he um, he is reporting on and commenting on a recent. Uh, Manhattan Institute report by Eric Kaufman. Now, in that report, um, here's what here's what I drew out of that report. Recent data show that racist attitudes and behaviors in the United States are actually on the decline. So why do Americans believe that our country is becoming progressively more racist? Well, I think that's a really good question for us to explore. So I want to commend to you both the Manhattan Institute piece by Eric Kaufman, and then also this sort of roundup piece um, that is offered to us by Jason Riley in the Wall Street Journal today. He says this, terms like systemic racism and unconscious bias are increasingly common, but white racist views have actually been in steady decline, whether with regard to having black coworkers, black classmates, black neighbors. And so um, I thought, hmm, um, the reality is actual uh, you know, actual integration is very, very, very robust. Um, in fact, he uh, he comments uh, on intermarriage. Intermarriage trends, uh, intermarriage trend lines undermine the notion that racial bigotry in America is a growing problem. Approval of black-white intermarriage rose among whites from around 4% in 1958 to 45% in 1995 and 84% in 2013. And I would say, um, yeah, uh, Almost, I don't. I don't know anyone. I really don't know anyone um, who has uh, an honest, certainly from a Christian worldview, honest problem with interracial marriage. In 2017, he says fewer than 10 percent of whites in a major Pew survey said interracial marriage was a quote bad thing. The actual share of intermarried newlyweds rose from three percent in 1967 to 17 percent in 2015. Um, and so when we when we talk about 
the next generation, emerging generations, one of the things that we note demographically is that any child under 10, any child under the age of 10 at this point um, is already living. If they are if they have two white parents, they are already a minority. And so we are talking here about uh, a very, very blended culture. And so the conversation that we you know, necessarily have about racism, we probably need to take a step back and say, all right, you know, I got, I got, I got a half, a, I mean, immediately who come to mind, a half a dozen friends who, you know, who are in what we would describe as interracial marriages. Probably more than that, if I like actually set about thinking about whether or not, you know, I put, uh, I put everybody into racial categories, which I just confess I don't. So um, this piece is really, really good. He says, surveys show that racial attitudes and behaviors have actually never been better. And so what they cite um, are, you know, then then why is it that we think that, you know, racialization is so horrible and on the rise and an epidemic in the culture? Well, they cite ideology, partisanship and the media. Um, and the way that the media frames events and social trends. And so I just, um, I encourage you to think about this and uh, become more fully informed about it. Um, And we're going to obviously continue to talk about the storyline of race and policing in our culture. Um, But we're also going to recognize the data and the facts and be sure that we don't lose sight of the fact that actually in America, um, in actuality, in our actual relationships, Racist attitudes and behaviors in the U.S. are on the decline, and it's actually never been better than it is today. All right, Jeff Bird is up next. We're going to talk about um, Hope Academy. We're going to talk about the Hope Farm School. I got to tell you, when I learned about this, I got so excited. I want everybody else to know what God is doing in and through um, uh, not only Jeff, but the colleagues that he works with. So that story is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Jeff Bird from Hope Farm School. I totally want you to bookmark their website, pray for them, support them, think about duplicating what they're doing, hopefarmschool.org. Jeff, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I'm glad to be here, Carmen. Carmen, did you grow up on a farm? I want to live. I want to live at Hope Farm School. I want to work at Hope Farm. I want to start one where I live. It is the... I am exposed to a lot of ministries around the country and a lot of people approaching, uh, trying to approach uh, conversations about the next generation. Your model is the one I am the most excited about. Tell people about Hope Farm School. Yeah, well, it started out of Hope Academy, which uh, the Lord called myself and Russ Gregg to start, you know, 23 years ago. And uh, we start children in kindergarten all the way through uh, high school there. And by the time they reach middle school, I mean, they're testing above the national average. These are inner city kids who are failing everywhere else. So we wanted to take in, you know, junior, sometimes you get a kid, junior high boy or girl, 
they're three to five years behind and we'd take them in and, you know, work really hard and they'd always wash out in six to nine months. Um, and we realized it was just too much. We were facing, it was like we likened to putting it a Model T on an on-ramp for 35W and saying, okay, we want to accelerate and merge into traffic. Well, you know, it just never happened. So um, one of the things that, uh, that we always uh, talked about at Hope Academy is if you really want to solve a problem, you have to understand it deeply. And the problem is in the families in the inner city, and there is massive moral chaos there. Um, I don't need to go into much detail there. So, you know, I grew up in a farm, and I thought what we need to do is just get them out of the city and get their hands in the dirt and teach them how to live their lives. And so, um, you know, for many, many years, I'd go out on Saturdays, I'd see a farm for sale, I'd go see it, and then I'd pray, I'd like, nope, this isn't the one. And so finally, I said, Lord, this isn't happening. Do you want this to happen? I'm okay doing it or not doing it. And I really felt the Lord calling me to move ahead. And so uh, through a number of connections, I ended up buying a property, uh, the farm school did, down in uh, Stockholm, Wisconsin. And we didn't intend to be in Wisconsin. We like Wisconsin. But it's about an hour and a half out. We have 440 acres, so we've got a lot of a lot of land for the uh, boys to roam. I could go on forever my, here, Carmen. My husband, my husband <laughs> calls that scope for the imagination, and and he will periodically. We we have forty five acres, and he will periodically okay. say to uh, a child who has been in the house too long, <clears throat> evidenced by you know their <laughs> attitude towards something, and he will say, "It is time for you to go outside and get some scope for the imagination." And if you need yeah. a list of things to do, you know, it always exists, right? Because we have chickens and cows and an orchard and a garden and a creek and a mm-hmm. river. I mean, like, right, we have, there's or or um, what they're currently uh, doing over these span of days um, is planting trees. So there's always something to do, right? There's and I love that. Something to do. Well, and I love yeah. that you live as a family, that they're sharing all of life, that they're, um, you know, that they're in the kitchen, that they are setting, they're learning to set a table, they're you know, everything from doing laundry to, I mean, like, right, so we think about all of these necessary life skills that are going to be mm-hmm. necessary for these young men to become the kinds of men that they maybe did not see and did not live with, certainly did not grow up with in their own families. Um, and mm-hmm. so, again, I just want to highlight the website because I totally want people to to check it out, not only be praying for what you're doing, but ca- capture capture this vision, hope farmschool.org. Jeff Bird and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this because this is absolutely um, God-centered. And I want I want people to hear about that as well, because this is a really fascinating, collaborative, educational Christian experiment. And it's just so exciting to me. Hopefarmschool.org. We'll be right back. All right, if you listen to this program regularly, you know um, I talk to a lot of ministry leaders across the country. It is rare that I am as excited as I am about what God is doing at hopefarmschool.org. We talk about the challenges that we face um, in terms of uh, an urban-rural divide. We talk about the challenges that we face in terms of 
um, morality and moral expressions in our nation today. We talk about education as a, a root challenge um, generation to generation right now. Uh, Hope Farm School is just this beautiful expression of of answering so many of those concerns and really building young men up um, that may, they would not only follow God, but like be the kind of guys that we want to live next door to and raise our kids with. So, um, Jeff, tell us um, tell us about the the spiritual aspect of what you're doing at Hope Farm School, and then and maybe spiritual aspect isn't even the right aspects, probably not even the right language because it seems to be yeah. sort of the fabric of the entire thing. Well, I look at it as being incarnational, just like Jesus Amen. didn't just give us the Bible. He came in his bodily flesh and lived among us. And so uh, that's what we're doing. And when we started, uh, my first hour I quit and he said it was just too hard. And so after uh, three weeks, I was the RA and, and uh, driving around picking up the boys on Monday morning and I had to go in the houses and get them out of bed because they don't even know how to go to bed at night. So mm-hmm. it's everything, Carmen. It's just like from uh, you learn how to go to bed at night, how to get up in the morning. We have PT. Uh, we have devotions. We have breakfast together. Uh, we do chores. Uh, everything is done together. And we're sharing our lives. Now, we do teach the Bible. We do have Wednesday night chapel. But the bigger thing is you are the living Bible, and you can't fake that. with As you know, or maybe you don't have teenagers. I don't know. But when you have teenagers, you cannot fake who you are. And one, one of the things I was, uh, I was telling uh, Jeff Seaman was my uh, mentor at the time about this vision. And I was going on and on how wonderful it's going to be. And he said, wow, that's a, that's a big vision. He said, what kid would want to go there? And that never occurred to me. I thought, what kid wouldn't? But, you know, that is a good question. Would inner city boys who have no structure want to go out and live on a farm, a totally different place? They've never even been to a farm have structure in their life, go to bed at night, get up in the morning, uh, learn to respect authority, learn about who God is, learn about all the different things that you learn at a farm. In addition to have rigorous academics, would they really want to do that? And and the answer is they do. They love it. And, And I think the reason is because they can see they are truly loved by the staff and by myself. And that's the biggest need any of us have. And that's the need that they have fundamentally, foundationally. They need to be loved. And then they need significant, meaningful work and study for themselves. So what's the thing a boy or almost all junior high boys says? Why do I have to study algebra? What difference does it make in society? What difference does it make for my life? And so everything we do, we try to connect it. Uh, was something that we're doing on the farm. So uh, we were going to build a chicken coop, and we had sketched it out. And then I had one of the boys who just finished geometry. I said, and now I want you to calculate how much lumber we need, how much, how many nails we need, siding, all shingles, all that stuff. And so we, in in every way, we try to incorporate their learning with what they're doing on the farm. Okay, can we have a, a very brief logistics conversation? Because I think there are probably people listening right now who are like, how does this all work? And, you know, the it's physically located in Wisconsin. These are kids from urban uh, Twin Cities, uh, or at least most of them, I'm guessing. Um, like, how, how does this work? Is this a public school? Uh, it, it, people are, I guarantee you, having all kinds of those kinds of questions. So can you just talk a little bit about sort of the logistics of all of this? Yeah, yes, and you're right. 
<laughs> we have don't have nearly enough time to, to describe it, but um, we pick the boys up on Sunday night about six thirty, and we're we're going to get to thirty boys and thirty girls. We're right now at fifteen because code wise, we have, we're transforming a barn into a commercial kitchen cafeteria and a schoolhouse and so we're we'll be done with that next month and we already have about 10 boys on the waiting list and so we drive them down there with a bus school bus i actually drive them down on sunday nights and they they live there during the week and we're very uh like i said we have a very uh organized structured life for them what they do during the day is going to vary dramatically, and they have athletics every day, every night. They have something like one night's movie night, worship night, uh, game night, free night. Um, and then Friday afternoon, uh, we drive them back, and they stay with their families over the weekends. So, um, And not all of them go home on weekends. Sometimes they want to stay, and uh, that was the original plan was they have them all stay until holidays, but the staff, it was just impossible from a staffing perspective. And it's worked out well, uh, just having them stay during the week. Okay, I'm seeing that you have um, 40 dozen eggs available every week. Um, People could buy them. Where would they have to go to pick them up? Yeah, well, they'd have to go to the farm school right now because of the <laughs> I know, but see, like, I totally love that. I'm thinking about any excuse, any reason to come, even though uh, here on our little farm, we have a dozen eggs every day, so I don't really need any more. But, um, yeah. right, I, I just, I love this. All right, you guys can connect with them on Facebook, Hope Farm School, W-I-S, which is, I think, probably for Wisconsin, but it also might be for Wisdom. Hope Farm School, <laughs> W-I-S, that's their, um, that's their handle on Facebook. You can visit the website directly, hopefarmschool.org. If you scroll down the page, you can sign up for, um, you know, to, to receive information. There's all kinds of great stuff here. Let me ask this question as our walk-off, Jeff, and I just, I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. Um, is this reproducible and scalable from your, with, because you are like the heartbeat at this point. And so is this reproducible and scalable? It is entirely reproducible. Scalable, I don't know about that. I mean, I think that's one time, uh, one question people ask, um, you know, how big are you going to get? And, um, you know, when Jesus walked with his disciples for three years, why did he do it that way? You know, why didn't he have a Tuesday night class from 6 to 8.30? Mm-hmm. And why did he only have 12 and plus some why did other, he only have you know, hanger yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some things you can do big scale, and there's other things that you just can't. And mm-hmm. I think this is one of them. And so uh, when I say 30 boys and 30 girls, people say, don't bring any girls. <laughs> Teenage girls like, okay, I, I get that. But, um, you know, when you're building from the ground up, uh, you just can't, you can't do it huge. You know, if you've ever had 15 angry or sad or depressed teenage kids in your house Mm. at the same time, um, now multiply that, you know, could you do 300? Well, no. So, Mm. uh, but, but reproducible, 
Absolutely. I think it's just people being called by God to do the work of God. And uh, I think we in America have a lot of capacity, a lot of extra rooms, a lot, <laughs> a lot of resources. And there are people in desperate need in the inner city. And I think that's the calling that I've, that I've answered. And I think that's the calling that many people should answer. I totally love it. I can, I don't even know how, um, I, I intend to celebrate it. I intend to celebrate it far and wide. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I look forward to a continued conversation. I'm going to find my way out there at some point. I just, I, I love it. Thank you for responding to God's, um, call in your life. Thank you for being so diligent over so many years to, um, to keep doing the hard things that absolutely must have been required to make this happen. Um, and thank you for loving mm-hmm. the Lord and loving these, loving this next generation. Like that's what it, that is what you are doing. And I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Hope Farm org. Jeff Bird, um, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Carmen. God bless absolutely. you. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Bye-bye. Thank you. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint. You all know Gary Chapman, or, well, at least we think we do. Um, We know him um, from the five love languages. We know him from conversations that we've had about lasting relationships and good marriages. But do we really know him? Know him, know him? Well, we're going to have a conversation about his new book, Life Lessons and Love Languages, What I've Learned on My Unexpected Journey. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Nearly 9 out of 10 believers say they are saved, yes, but empowered? No. Like the children of Israel, they are out of Egypt, but not yet possessing the promised land. This is Max Lakato. That's about 2 billion people who call themselves Christians chugging along on a fraction of their horsepower. What would happen if they got a tune-up? How would the world be different if 2 billion people came out of the wilderness? How many marriages would be saved? How many wars would be prevented? If every Christian began to live the promised land life, how would the world be different? With God's help, you can close the gap between the person you are and the person you want to be. Indeed, the person God made you to be. The Bible says that you can live from glory to glory. You just need to possess the land. This is Max Lucado. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation with our friend Gary Chapman. Uh, you know him from his weekend program here on the Faith Radio Network, Building Relationships. You can hear it three times over every weekend on Faith Radio. Um, you also know him as an author and a speaker, a pastor, and a counselor. You know him maybe best from Five Love Languages, which you can find at fivelovelanguages.com. Gary, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you, Carmen. It's great to be with you again. So it's wonderful to have you. Life lessons and love languages, what I've learned on my unexpected journey. Um, this is a just is a delightful romp around in your life. <laughs> well, 
You know, at my age, Carmen, I thought if I'm ever going to write my memoirs, this would be the time to do it while I have a mind. Okay. <laughs> well, so it was and, fun. And no, I like I really appreciate that. So one of the things that um, I learned immediately uh, is that you were born in the same year as my mom. Oh, okay. And then you know I how know. old I am. <laughs> well, and so, but here's what here's what that really got me thinking about. So I certainly think of you as a colleague in in ministry. Um, and although, you know, I'm going to use the word friend here broadly, but certainly my brother in Christ, I, I do not view us as, um, as all that different. I'm, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to diminish in any way all of the great and wonderful things that you've done or, or elevate myself to that level because I'm not. But I do, I don't think of us as generationally distinct. Maybe that's weird, but, um, there is this walking together in Christ aspect of being uh, sort of in the world at the same time, addressing similar concerns that that makes age not matter. Well, I think I think you're right, uh, Carmen. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm hoping will come out of this book is that the older people that I'm talking to myself there uh, will think in terms of their own journey and how God has led them and perhaps write some things, even if it's never published, you know, just write some things that. Uh, maybe their grandkids or great grandkids. I look back on my, I never knew my great grandfather. I know nothing mm-hmm. about him. If he had just written a few lines, you know, about his life, I may have been encouraged. So, and then I'm hoping that younger people will recognize that, you know, uh, older people around them maybe have some wisdom. They've made some mistakes and they've done some right things. And if you just ask questions of them, Maybe you would learn some things you'd like to emulate, and maybe you'd learn some things that maybe you'd like to avoid in your life. So I'm hoping that in addition to sharing my own journey, that others will be challenged to reach out, you know, across generational lines and share life with each other. Because, look, we're all human. We're all in the same journey with God. We're a little different places in terms of our life, but we're all simply trying to do what God has called us to do. And that's what really matters. I love the approach that you took. Um, Life Lessons and Love Languages is the newest book by Gary Chapman, What I've Learned on My Unexpected Journey. Um, you take us to, you know, small-town America. You take us um, to Moody Bible Institute. You take us to Wheaton College. You take us to uh, the hills of Tennessee. You take us through a conversation about marriage and kids and grandkids and vocation um, talk with folks about, you know, maybe I, how you went about identifying the um, the way you broke this down: home, education, marriage, children, and vocation. Because you could have well, you could have broken this down in a number of ways. Yeah, well, Carmen, as you know, I like the number five. <laughs> so I thought, what are the five basic? You and Moses. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and so it just kind of fell in that direction, you know, my early years in childhood and the things I learned there and the way God directed my life and how grateful I am for my parents and my sister. And then, you know, my educational journey, which was a long journey for me and the things I learned there in many different places. And then my marriage. I mean, I, man, I, I would not be doing what I'm doing if it had not been for my marriage and all the troubles we had. <laughs> I'm empathetic with people. Uh, you know, and then t- in terms of my uh, my children, because we think of parents impacting children, and we certainly do, but children also impact us. So I share some of the things I learned from my children, and and then uh, my vocation. So yeah, I just I like the number five, and it just seemed to fit. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's it really is a delightful uh, conversation. Um, it's a wonderful glimpse into not only your life, but I do think it will provoke conversations. I mean, I'm certainly going to share it with my mom and have a conversation with her about, hey, let's get some stuff down on paper. Like, you yeah. know, the stories, let's let's talk through the stories one more time, those that I know and those that I don't know, um, because I do think that there's real value in um, gathering in the wisdom um, and the stories. So Gary Chapman is my guest. We are talking about his latest work, Life Lessons and Love Languages, What I've Learned on My Unexpected Journey. And yes, we have some copies to give away. So um, you know the drill. If if you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies we have to give away today, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Gary Chapman and I will be right back. Dr. Gary Chapman uh, is the author of lots of books. You can find uh, Five Love Languages and sort of like all of its expressions at fivelovelanguages.com. And that's the number five, fivelovelanguages.com. We're talking today about his newest book, Life Lessons and Love Languages. He shares in here um, stories about his own life and his own journey. Um, Gary, one of the things that I... Uh, I like I really appreciated was that you didn't try to make it um, some kind of weird timeline. You you just were honest in saying, look, this is um, uh, 1961 to present. This is uh, 1964 to present. This is 1967 to present. Like these are these are present realities you're still walking in. um, And these the ways that you talk about these influences are overlapping. I think that was really, really helpful um, in terms of thinking about sort of the complexity of life. So talk with us about marriage and um, and having kids and then grandkids and, yes, vocation, like all of that um, in terms of the influences in your own life. Well, I think if I had not married my wife and if we had not had the struggles that we had in the early years of our marriage, I probably would never have been a counselor. Hmm. But having gone through that, you know, one of the lessons I really learned is that Christians are not exempt from marital struggles. And Carol and I struggled greatly in that. And, and because we went through that, and God in his providence led us through that and gave us answers on how to have the kind of marriage he wants us to have, and that is where two people have a loving, supportive, caring attitude toward each other. And we're asking questions like, what can I do to help you? How can I make your life easier? How can I be a better husband or a better wife? You get that going in the right direction. You have a wonderful marriage. It's what God intended. Uh, and But I think, you know, when you look back on your life, you see how the, the hard times God used to, to make you who you are. Uh, so that's, you know, and then with the children, uh, we think in terms of parents and impacting children, and they do, but children also impact parents. And uh, one of the lessons I learned was from my son when he was a teenager was how to handle anger. I have to be honest, Carmen, I didn't have much of a problem with anger until I got married, you know, and then <laughs> I didn't have a super problem until I had a teenage son. And I remember when he was yelling and screaming at me and I was yelling and screaming at him and 
he walked out of the house and slammed the door and I woke up and I said, Oh God, I thought I was further along than this to yell at mm. the son I love, you know? And that mm. night when he came back, I apologized to him. He apologized to me. We hugged and we cried. And I said, Derek, let's see if we can learn how to handle anger by talking rather than yelling. So the next time you're angry, just say, dad, I'm angry. Can we talk? And I'll sit down and listen to you, and I'll do the same with you. It was a turning point, huge turning point in my life, and I'm all I'm grateful that I, I wish I'd learned it earlier, but at least I'm grateful while I learned it while he was still at home, so we could work through that and learn how to do that together. So reflections from Derek: How I learned to process anger. That comes in section four. Um, how my children influenced me in Gary Chapman's brand new book, Life Lessons and Love Languages, and we are giving away copies today. If you would like to enter the drawing for the copies we have, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Gary, uh, I think that when a lot of people would approach this um, in terms of vocation, they might have to add another section in terms of like differentiating that from maybe their, uh, their spiritual Um, journey, but yours are interwoven together because your vocation has been ministry of one variety or another. Um, And so other people might need uh, six sections in their book, um, but you only needed five because vocationally your journey has been uh, a a journey of ministry. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's not always been, excuse me, not always been the journey I had in mind because, you know, I started out feeling that God wanted me to be a pastor by the time I finished Moody Bible Institute, I felt God wanted me to be, go on a mission field because I reasoned, why should I stay here when the great need is in other places? I actually went back and enrolled in the Ph.D. program in order to teach at a university or a seminary in another country. And after three years of doing that degree, we applied to the mission board and got turned down because of my wife's health. It was a very frustrating time for us. You know, why did God put it on our hearts? Why did I go back to school and do that? And all of these things, you know, and little did I know that I would be writing books. I never thought of writing books. And all of my books grew out of my counseling ministry, just trying to help people that I would never have time to see in my office. And I remember one time a few years ago, my book's been, tra- many of my books are translated now in over 50 languages around the world. And I was opening up a box of those books and I looked over on the couch and Carolyn was crying. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, nothing's wrong. I just remember we wanted to be missionaries mm. and now your books are all over the world. You know, it's one of those moments when you just realize God's plans are not always our plans and they're always better than our plans and many times bigger than our plans. Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge lesson uh, to learn uh, that yes, we should have plans all of us should have plans. What's my next step with God? What's, what's the next thing he wants me to be involved in? But always hold those plans with an open hand because God's plans are not always our plans. So, um, Gary, I have a question written down here, um, but I don't even know how a person would go about answering it. So let me just confess that before I ask it. I mean, you are obviously most well-known for having written and then sort of cultivated the five love languages. If, if we could set that aside, if you could go back before you wrote the five love languages, what would you most like to be remembered as or for? 
You know, that's a good question, and I'm not sure I have a good answer. I don't know that I've even reflected on that. Uh, you know, what I've said sometimes I'd like to have on my tombstone is faithful unto death. Mm. I mean, that's all God requires of any of us, is it not? To be faithful in using the gifts that he's given us, the abilities he's given us, and, and to be faithful to the end. In fact, I, 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 do, I pray that with God sometimes. I say, Lord, I, I just want to do everything you have in mind for me. And when you're through, I'm through. I mean, I don't have any plans other than being open to accomplish whatever God still has in mind for me as long as I have life. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of sums it up to me. Just if that can be truthfully said of me, faithful unto death. I, I would I would be pleased with that. That that really is my desire. Um, amen. Amen. Um, I've reserved a minute so that I could just say thank you to you on um, behalf of my family, my marriage, my stepkids, my sister, my mom, um, my friends, my ministry partners, my colleagues, our radio listeners people um, around the world who have been blessed to discover not only their own love language, but the way God has um, knit a love language into the life of those we love best and for helping us to recognize it and then helping us know how to speak in the love language of those we love. Um, You have given us a gift that, frankly, we didn't even know we needed. Like, right, we, we knew we needed help, but we didn't know that this was the help that we needed. And so um, on not only behalf of myself and my marriage and my family um, and our radio listeners, but people around the world, those whose lives have been touched and will continue to be touched for generations. Like, this is generational change in helping us know that there are these love languages, that they're expressed differently in our, in our children and in our teenagers and in our spouses and um, and over the course of our lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Carmen, I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, you know, I've just been deeply humbled and encouraged by the number of people who have been impacted and their lives change and their relationships change by that simple concept of learning how to communicate love effectively. So uh, thanks for what you're doing. Keep up the good work, daily encouraging wow. people. Absolutely. That's mutual. And I'm going to go spend some time with my mom and write some stuff down. Uh, That's Gary Chapman, author most recently of Life Lessons and Love Languages. We're giving away copies to enter the drawing. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. And obviously you need to be listening to Gary's program, uh, Building Relationships. You can listen to it three times over the weekend here on the Faith Radio Network. You can also find him at 5, that's the number 5, lovelanguages.com. Gary, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. Great to be Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, as we head out into the world that God so loves, let us do so as people who have been in the Word of God. So where in the Word are you today? I'm still in Romans chapter 14, those opening verses. Um, And let me just encourage you to um, be in the Word of God today. Uh, The world's going to squeeze us. There's no question about it. And so when we are squeezed out there in the world today, when the pressure comes in upon us, 
what comes out of us is what we're full of. So what are you full of? Let us be full of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Let us be full of the Word of God. Let us be full of the grace of God. Jesus came full of grace and truth, and we are sent in in the Spirit of Christ. So let us also be people who are full of grace and full of truth as we enter into the conversations of the day. I'm going to encourage us um, to have our filters up today as well. Um, The word is rubric. Thank you for those of you who got a giggle um, out of my inability to find that word earlier in my conversation with Daniel Bennett. Um, Thank you for all the interactions on the text line today. Uh, It's still time to enter the drawing for the copies of Gary Chapman's new book that we're giving away. Just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Have a wonderful witness, wisdom, wonderful Wednesday. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.